Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. My name is Daniel Bennett. I'm in the studio here with Art Georges and Rich Burkle, and I'm excited. I'm, <laughs> we I'm are excited, all excited to be here. We are talking about the Ten Commandments. And Are you bearing false witness about how you feel right now? <laughs> no, no. Um, that was earlier uh, that I bore <laughs> false witness. But anyway, here we are. Here we are. We're on. The, we're going to talk about the last two of the Ten Commandments, and uh, let me let me just read those to you. Uh, number nine from Exodus twenty verse sixteen: You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then the tenth commandment: You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Okay, well, let's let's talk about the ninth commandment and and bearing false witness. Uh, what is what is in, entailed in that commandment? What does it mean to to bear false witness? So often in the Old Testament, uh, especially in the Proverbs, we find that uh, um, the fool is the one who is willing to um, make false statements to uh, benefit those that have versus those that have not. Uh, in order to curry favor with those that have. And so, um, it, you know, a lot of times it's it's not just uh, telling lies, but um, it, it's saying or at least um, siding with those that have that can do something for me versus those that don't in the, in the area of justice. Yeah, it really comes from a heart of uh, lack of love for the neighbor. Cause it's right. bearing false witness against that it's 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 harming them. Uh, someone we truly love uh, and desire God's blessing toward, we wouldn't bear false witness against them. Um, I think you're right to consider that as a sort of a legal uh, setting in which someone is is going to either be uh, have have. Uh, jail time or some other kind of punishment uh, come against them, they're going to be hurt by our words, in other words. Um, and uh, and here we're using words. I think bearing false witness has to do with our words, uh, using words uh, to harm another, and the, they're words that aren't connected to what is true. So uh, does it go deeper than that? So you're using words that, that aren't true, you're, you're communicating... You're, maybe put this way, you're communicating something about reality to someone that is false. Yes, and so you can do that by saying, you know, um, Art, I like your shirt today. When I don't, um, so I'm communicating something false with my words. What are the other ways you communicate yeah. that which is false? That's an interesting example, actually. <laughs> it opens up the door for some uh, some conversation. He's like in that now again. About, I, I, about I, my shirt. Well, I, our, <laughs> I've got this wonderfully beautiful shirt on, <laughs> but uh, coat of um, many colors. I wonder if that's against a neighbor. In other words, I, I'm not sure if if 
it's it's worth talking about the ethics of that it, kind of thing. Is the prohibition thing. against lying here, or is it against bearing false witness? I think it's against a neighbor. It, it's now again, I, whether we add these others in, we we might. It's worth discussing the the edges of that. But but it seems like the force of this is that somehow our witness is harming the neighbor. It's doing something detrimental mm-hmm. to the neighbor, and. Um, uh, I, I do think, you know, for instance, it's 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 not a sort of open season on being brutal with the truth either. Mm-hmm. And and so that's where, you know, if Art says, how do you like my shirt and you didn't really like it, I think there is a, a loving way to communicate without just necessarily being brutal, knowing that you're going to emotionally, you It know, looks good on you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we all run into that circumstance. We say, well, I want to be loving. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be a detriment to this person. And uh, uh, I, we, I think we do have to be careful with, with using the truth in a way that's unloving, because um, that can happen uh, as well. But this commandment, I think it's about using words that are not connected to what is real or true in a way that would hurt another person, mm-hmm. primarily. So, so slandering or... Um... Or, you know, we think about the, the court of law now. Um, what did the witness see, and how is it going to impact the one who uh, stands to gain or lose from their testimony? Um, so, uh, and how does that happen, like, in interactions within the body of Christ? You know, do we talk about people in a way that is building them up or tearing them down? Yeah. Is it right or is it wrong? Yeah, and—, and uh, part of this is our motivation that's underneath these words. Um, and I think you mentioned the, the motivation of maybe embittering yourself in the eyes of others. That's why you might bear false witness to right. get yourself, curry favors with others. There are a lot of motivations, aren't there? There's revenge or bitterness. You know, I'm angry at this person. They hurt me. I want to hurt them back. Uh, there's fear. I'm afraid that they're going to hurt me again, so I've got to put them in a place where they're not able to hurt me. Um, there are a number of motivations, but but none of them start with worship for God and love for, for mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. Why is God concerned that we not bear false witness? How does, how does this commandment relate to his character? Well, remember what John says, uh, you know, that if we are in the light, uh, we can't be part of falsehood. Um, mm-hmm. We would bear witness uh, and love our neighbor if we're in the light, and so it helps us to discern the, the character of our heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God is, you know, Jesus is the truth, you know, and so, so to, to bear false witness would be to be contrary to, the, to his character. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. <laughs> if he does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. So First John four twenty is hmm. pretty pretty clear, I think, about that. So, Rich, if we if we ground this commandment within the character of God, perhaps the the borders of it are extended, you know, to where it's sure. to, to where it's more about truthfulness being in line with the God of, right. of truth and love. You know, and again, love. the the whole idea about truth 
is love. And I guess, uh, you know, I got a little bit off on a tangent because I've had some conversations with those who are justifying using the truth mm-hmm. in a way that there is no loving, re- there is no loving result yeah. that could come from that. Mm-hmm. Right. And at that point, you're not, and they use it like there's a righteousness behind what well, I'm telling the I'm truth. I'm a truth teller. <laughs> right. I'm just telling the truth. I'm telling the hard things, you know, but there, there's but there an expression, is no just saying. motivation of loving God and loving this person through that. Right. You know, that's not the intent. And, right. And so that's why I say we, we have to still be careful at the edges. I, I do think there's a lot of things in the edges, but they're, they're worth talking about. There's, there's a number mm-hmm. of dynamics, I'll say, that are part of that conversation to discern. Uh, more than just whether or not it is true or false. Would you uh, would you include in that there are some people who perhaps forfeit their right to the truth? Yeah, and there's also some people who are not yet ready for the truth. Yeah, it's not loving. You know, I'm thankful that God doesn't dump on me all in one time right. all that I need to change. Right, mm-hmm. I'd just be so discouraged. I leave here. Oh man, I just how could I ever overcome this if I understood everything all in a moment? Mm-hmm. But God gives us a bit of truth at a time as we're, and then we respond to that. We become more conformed to Christ, and then we hear we see more, and that's sanctification. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have had this in in uh, counseling or discipleship settings where uh, you, you realize there's a lot to tell this person. But I, I, you say, I need to just tell them this one thing mm-hmm. and see how they respond to that. Yeah. And then maybe the next time we'll be able to talk about something even deeper. But if they don't respond to this thing on the surface that's, that's, that's less than, they're, they're not going to respond to the deeper thing. And, and so we're trying to act, how can I love this person with the truth? That, that's the role of the biblical counselor or disciple. Or how can I love this person with the truth? Yeah. I think as we think through honoring this commandment, we ought to think about how we feel when we listen to others talk about others. So like you're, you're listening to the radio and they're talking maybe about a politician that you don't care for, but someone says, well, you know, I, I know him and I don't think that's why he's doing this. I'm like, wow, I, I just think more highly of the person that just said that because they're trying to honor this person. And, and so how do people feel when I talk do yeah. the, do they do they get built up according to the, you know, yeah. gives grace to those who hear it, it's asking us to have a loving we'll say I'll say word fairness to everyone not just the people that are on our team but to everyone I, I in in that regard you know um, uh, I think about let's say a basketball game and uh, you're a fan of basketball let's say the U of I Art went to the U of I, and if you were at the U of I at a basketball game, you'd probably wear orange and blue and and cheer them on. And so here's here's this game going on, <laughs> and when the referees make a call contrary to the, the 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 benefit of your team, the whole crowd and we're tempted to say, "Ah, oh, that's a terrible ref." Rarely, if they make an error in your favor. Are you vexed at all about that? <laughs> well, you know, I could see how he could call it either way. You know? and, and what love demands is we start leveling the field, that we aren't such a fan that we are – that our perception of what's just happened has been impacted. But every fan, they lose objectivity, and then they can start treating those referees like they went into that game with the holy, wholehearted intention of causing your team to lose. <laughs> Um, and once we start interpreting people that way, then we can be unconsciously bearing false witness. Um, 
you know, the instant replay is interesting because sometimes I'll say, how could that reference? And then the refer- then their instant replay will, will sometimes vindicate the referee. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, you know, I was so upset. Why was I so upset? was because I really almost bore false witness because of my sl- emotional slant. Mm-hmm. That's good. So we've kind of talked about what bearing false witness isn't uh, in, in some of these instances. What are some ways that we're tempted to bear false witness? Just maybe just in our own lives, where it's 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 um, yeah, there's a temptation to violate this this command. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, for me to uh, jump to a conclusion mm-hmm. of motives when you just don't know, and, yeah. and so then you begin to build a characterization of this person uh, on the basis of how you've. Uh, okay, so that's bad. You shouldn't do that. But I mean, like, when are you, are you guys? Maybe you guys are just. Uh, Maybe you guys don't struggle with this, but there are ever times where the words that start coming out of your mouth are contrary to reality and you know it and you're intentionally saying it. Or he's just always kind of a, well, I'm kind of in the motion. But like like someone says, um, hey, did you, did you do this thing that you told me you were going to do? And there's a temptation to say, yes, I you know, bear false witness. You know, there's, there's a temptation to say that, which is contrary to you guys. Yeah. No, that, that, that that's that's <laughs> true to make you yeah. – the fear of man causes us often to be tempted to say things that make us look a lot better yeah. because we want mm-hmm. we, we want to present a picture to this person we're talking to that's that's much more positive than maybe what it is. It's it's uh, the, oh, I was just about ready to call you. You know, like you like you told a person you're going to call them, then maybe you run them and in, run into them in the grocery store. Oh, oh I was just thinking about you. Today. I just about, now again, it might sometimes be true that we really were. So Fritz just told you recently, right? So, <laughs> so that might actually be true. But I, I also know the temptation is to say something like that to kind of remove the embarrassment of having failed this person. To maybe exaggerate, you know, like. So you say I've I've been praying I've been praying for you. <laughs> so it describes some sort of continued night after night on your knees, right? Beseeching the to so you're ex- yeah, to exaggerate I had uh, the a, nature I of your relationship. Had a professor my freshman year at the U of I in the speech class, and and she was really outgoing. And you ran into her on campus. She said, "Oh, I was just thinking about you." And then I was somewhere where she didn't see me, and she saw someone else. She said, "Oh, I was just thinking about you." I'm like, "Okay, that's just her." That's just her her greeting. <laughs> I thought I was special, right? <laughs> you well, thought you were always on her mind, exactly. But I do think you know that the, perhaps even the the uh, the way that this commandment rubs up against me, even a, in a in a uh, well, even a deeper way, is is when my emotions get involved in a conversation, whether it's a friend or even with my family, you know, a, a conversation with my wife. To, to begin to uh, hear and interpret in a way that's not in accordance with the truth and then mm-hmm. to treat that person as though mm-hmm. they actually had done something that my mind kind of had manufactured because I'm, I'm assuming wrong motives or I'm interpreting in the worst way possible. And, you know, from 1 Corinthians 13, what is love? It's, it's patient. Mm-hmm. It's kind, gentle. Uh, it says it... it uh, it believes all things, which is kind of interesting in that it, it says, I'm going to believe the best mm. until I can't, yeah. you know, until the, the facts are so so weighty that I, I have to believe mm-hmm. that this negative thing is actually true. Well, um, we need to kind of move on here. So let's, 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 uh, look, let's look at this last commandment here. 
and um, you shall not cover. You shall not covet your hey, your neighbors. Hey, look at the time. <laughs> time to go, right? Let's not talk about coveting. <laughs> this uh, is good. All of them are convicting, though, aren't they? Yeah. With this one. Yeah, because this one, uh, boy, it, it sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like a you know murder in terms of the actual taking of a life. Um, well, maybe maybe all of these. The heart attitude is 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 very de- our hearts deceive us as to whether or not we're in violation. But what what is the instruction here? Here, Art, what 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 does it mean to to covet? Uh, you know what to to desire. Uh, what you don't have in an unhealthy way, uh, it says your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife. So something that belongs to someone else, and I'm, you know, I'm entering into this ground where I'm willing to sin to get it, or I'll sin if I don't get it. Um, just as an aside, this commandment, as well as the commandment not to steal, does affirm uh, individual property rights. So some think of Christianity as kind of communal living, the the purest Mm -hmm. form of Christianity is where no one owns anything. These commandments would not be possible in play if if there weren't individual uh, property rights. Um, This commandment is different, on at least on the surface from the others, in that the others, immediately you think about some action or Mm -hmm. word. This one only can happen internally. You know, the yeah. coveting. Uh, some have said, suggested that the, that the first commandment and the last commandment are bookends, mm-hmm. <laughs> in which they're mm-hmm. they're pushing everything together That's because true. because it's this inner desire that creates uh, the temptation to bear false witness, to steal, to commit adultery. Uh, these these other actions right. of a lack of love toward toward others, and and so some suggested these are two bookends. I like Apostle Paul's statement that, you know, I wouldn't even known coveting was a sin unless the law hadn't said, thou shalt not covet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we think, well, what what's wrong with going through Walmart and just wanting a lot of things, you know? Um, and, and yet again, if we relate it to worship, coveting is uh, the symptom and the expression of a lack of satisfaction in God, mm-hmm. that I need something else to really be satisfied I don't think there's anything. It's it's a this is a condemnation with a desire to to own something else right. than what we presently have. But it is uh, coveting is is a uh, is a dissatisfaction with our present state and a sense of this need to the point of I need to have what they have in order to have the kind of life that mm-hmm. is satisfying. Yeah, and given that it's in. Uh, in, in relationship to your neighbor, you can see that it would breed jealousy and envy, uh, that it would be a diminishing of uh, love for your neighbor. Yes. I like how he covers all, all the bases, your neighbor's house, uh, neighbor's wife, male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, and if you start thinking about his dog or cat, and he anything. says anything else <laughs> that is your neighbor's. <laughs> so he's he's really you know first wanting to give specifics so that our minds start going to specifics, but then he doesn't want to give. Uh, he gives this last general statement just to say in, ca- in case we think of anything specific that's outside of the list that he's creating, uh, it's still a sin and a violation of our love for God and love for another person. Mm-hmm. So would you say that if if we if we find ourselves in a circumstance and we can't find contentment within that circumstance, 
we're deceiving ourselves if we think that a change of circumstance yeah. is going to cause the joy to yeah. To and her. that is so subtle. I, I guess one of the things that I I think about in in my life was uh, everyone in seminary had a computer. At least most of the people did, and I was still writing or typing. And I don't know if you guys remember. Well, I know Daniel doesn't remember this, but Art, you probably remember how you had uh, your little whiteout mm-hmm. uh, little sheets and you type, and it mm-hmm. it was uh, just horrible. And then I saw these folks with bad. computers, and I thought, oh man, that'd be awesome. And uh, a circumstance arised where we had arisen where we actually had some money to buy a computer. And I remember looking at mm-hmm. advertisements. I, I couldn't wait for the paper to come because then I could look at Best Buy or <laughs> wherever else were these computers, and I, I began to realize. My my life is really focused on this, as though this is going to make my life then mm-hmm. completely satisfying, joyful. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with having a computer. I eventually got one. But I'll tell you, it, it didn't change the, the satisfaction of my life. But I, I realized I, I was acting and allowing time and energy of my thinking to go toward that thing yeah. in a way that really that should only be reserved for my my devotion to God. But you got to admit, when you cut and paste for the first time, you said, yes. It was nice. <laughs> Philippians 4, uh, let's, let's close with this. I've learned in whatever circumstance uh, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. Isn't it amazing? Here we are living in 21st century America, and we're still dealing with this issue of contentment. Right, <laughs> right. Know? I mean, that's pretty amazing. The abundance we have, and yet... We're still, still thinking if I just had something else. Yeah. And then the next verse is is a verse that I think we misapply a lot. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's that's yeah. really about contentment and yeah. about right. uh, not not right. coveting. That's so good. and we actually use it to to further our coveting. I want to be I want to be better <laughs> at something. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can get this, I can get this. But God calls us <laughs> to contentment. That's a great observation. Yeah. Great observation. So we're not we're not to, we're not to covet. Well, I hope this has been encouraging uh, to to our listeners. Thanks for spending the time with us as we've thought through the Ten Commandments, and uh, thanks for joining us on Revive the Drive.